FileMaker Talk. This is Matt Navarre. Today our guest is Don Levan with Vanguard Custom Software. Welcome, Don. Thanks so much for having me. Sure. So you have a really interesting thing that we've talked about a little bit, which is this FileMaker Patterns and Standards Lab. Tell me more about that. Uh, well, I should clarify to say that, that I don't have it. It's something that there's a group of people that are starting. Um, this is an idea that actually grew out of the Small Things Loosely Joined presentation I did last year at PAUSE. After Pause on Error, I was invited to do that presentation again in Seattle and Portland and San Francisco at the Wedge. Mm-hmm. And that presentation was mostly well-received with the exception of one point, which is I was advocating exiting early in the way I was handling errors. And the people with traditional computer science backgrounds were were commenting that you should really only exit at the end of a script. And so I started to think about that, and I was like, boy, I really wish there was a place that people could post the ways to handle common problems. Because patterns... Um, have become a really powerful idea in other areas. Um, whenever I start to design a project, I go to one of about three different patterns books uh, to uh, to look for common solutions to the problem that I'm trying to solve. When I go to design something, you know, with the little bit of skill I have with Ruby or Objective C, there are some very good patterns books there. And so I started to think how cool it would be if there was a community. Um, place where people could post uh, common solutions to the problems that we face all the time. And over time, commonly accepted standard patterns emerged from that. Well, you know, the word pattern is something that I have not encountered much in as a FileMaker developer. I think that's one of the things that is maybe borrowed from other other standards in development. Tell me more about what a pattern is. So I was first introduced to the concept and the idea by Albert Haram Alvarez, who I worked for for a time at Small Company. And Albert, one of Albert's favorite books is A Pattern Language by Christopher Alexander, uh, which is subtitled A Timeless Way of Building. And in that book, which I've only read a little bit of, uh, Christopher Alexander talks about the process of building communities and common patterns that are usable in architecture to solve common problems. And it's an idea that has been picked up on by a number of people in the software community, um, first by the, the Gang of Four, who published sort of the, the Bible of, obje- of object-oriented design patterns, I guess about 10, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And then there have been you know patterns guides for just about all the the... the um, the non-FileMaker languages. There was a, a small talk design patterns guide. Uh, there's been Java patterns guides. And the Ruby community is very big on using uh, design patterns. And, and, and there's a book by Martin Fowler who, was the, who wrote a patterns book that actually David Heimer Hansen used as the basis of his thought for designing Ruby on Rails. Hmm. Um, that, that talks about model view controller and um, observer patterns and other common patterns that we face all the time in software. Now, 
object-oriented programming is different than procedural programming, which is what we're doing in FileMaker. Mm-hmm. And it's easier to, to, to find those kinds of patterns to reuse in some of the other environments. Right. However, there are things that we face all the time that we do in every project. How do you handle navigation? How do you handle new record creation? How do you handle error trapping and handling? How do you mm-hmm. handle installing plugins? And every time, each of us in our own little silo is, is reinventing these solutions. And we've got some really smart people in the community. And I guess I selfishly wanted to find out what everybody else was doing and have a common place for posting those solutions and a structured way of doing it. And, and perhaps over time, you know, if this grew into a community-led sort of acceptance of certain patterns that, that identified these were the right ways of doing things, great. If it just ended up being um, sort of a place for posting those things, that was a really nice start. So in addition to having a central place where people can come together on this, which probably would be web-driven, um, what other goals would you have for this? What would this group have? Because I think it's clear that it's not it's not owned by you. It's just something no, that you're sort not. of helping to get started, which is great. I love that community type of thing. Um. You know, I mean, we had – so here's how it's gone so far. We started a Google group, and some people became very active on it. There were some people in the community that responded that they didn't want to have to be restricted to Google. And so we pulled back out of that, and we planned a meeting. I held a meeting about a month and a half ago, and there were 30 people on the call. Um, and – it was a very active, wonderful discussion. And unfortunately, where it ended up at that moment was I was going to put together a tool that we could use to start doing this, and I got swamped and haven't done it yet. And I sort of have, have let the community down, I feel. I don't know that anybody else would say that, but that's the way I feel about it. Um, the the long-term goals you know, that I and other people have articulated would be, one, to have a common place to post this information – Two would be, you know, if there were consensuses around certain patterns, that maybe, you know, maybe there would be a group of people that volunteered or tapped as um, experts in the field that can sort of, uh, sort of give a stamp to this is something that people have vetted. We, mm-hmm. we thought that at first we would just leave it open to sort of a commenting system or maybe a community rating system mm-hmm. and let everybody vote. But one of the really nice things about the Rails community, and I'm not a Linux programmer, but I hear about the Linux community, there's other open source communities, is there's a core group of committers who are uh, a close – that anybody can com- can submit something, but there's a group of people that sort of vet you know whether what's being submitted adds to the product or meets the standard. Now, one thing that's interesting is that this is a product that somebody else owns, and so we're just a community of people that are evangelists. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a little bit different than those communities because they're actually accepting code back into the code base to build the product itself. Um, this is a little bit different, but you know, it's it. One of the things that came out of to me out of John Sendelar's session at Pause on Error on how we can all collaborate was that there is that there's a group of people, a group of developers in the community that are really good, that are very professional, 
Um, but what I've heard people say is that when they try to sell FileMaker to IT departments, there's sort of the complaint that it's not as professional of a community as some of the others, like a Java community or mm-hmm. more formally trained where there are accepted standards and that you know when you come in on a project that there's that there's some standard that people are following in terms of how they're naming stuff. And granted, there's a lot of chaos in those other communities also. Nobody's perfect. Um, but it just seems like it might be nice to, to, you know, now that this is this is a business for me and has been for a number of years, mm-hmm. I want to be part of a professional community. I want to be part of a community that's continuing to improve themselves and grow and mature. And yes, right. we're at the mercy of this product, but... You know, we're right. a group of talented individuals, and um, I want to keep. I want to be part of something that's continuing to move forward. And so, uh, one aspect of the community is FBA, which gives you training and certification to re- require that you understand the basics of what can be done with FileMaker. But it doesn't really, and I don't think can really take a look at standards and and making sure that you actually understand the proper way to achieve certain things that we all have to do all the time. Right. Would you do you agree with that? Absolutely. And and part of the reason I'm I was sort of hedging that you know initially this was going to be a, a commenting board is I'm I'm not really comfortable with being a heavy hand. I don't want to be the person saying necessarily this is the right way to do something because I don't think that's my place and I don't think people necessarily agree with me. But I do want to to be associated with really smart people and and um you know, find the right people who can say those things, who have the depth of experience and get enough. And and one of the things that's interesting is FileMaker tried to do this a number of years ago with naming conventions. And they had some really good people that spent a lot of time discussing it. And I don't know that their, their document has gotten widespread community adoption. And so I was really thinking about this from the point of view of the Malcolm Gladwell book, The Tipping Point, about how to make something sticky, you know, that would 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 get community um, adoption and involvement. And the the key thing there is to find the right people who are connecting other people that are looked up to and and you know a message that they're behind and become sort of viral in the way it spreads. Right. And so, you know. I hope I haven't, by my inaction, you know, in the last two months, uh, killed the momentum. But um, we were off to a really good start, and then I just kind of floundered. Because I, I, I think you were just giving everybody a chance to collect their thoughts before they really get the steam going. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice. <laughs> it was totally, totally intentional <laughs> on your part. I, so I really you appreciate you, that. So you mentioned some communities. Um, like Ruby and Objective-C, you know, the Apple development. Are there other communities outside of, of development, like maybe in your background um, as a psychologist, that um, have have achieved some success, that have good good patterns to follow here? Um, well, psychology is hard because you get 12 psychologists in the room and you get 15 opinions. Um, there are really smart people out there, but it's such a subjective craft that it's hard to, um, you know, it's interesting when we were talking about this at pause on air, Laramie Erickson, uh, 
who works with John Howell, came mm-hmm. up and we started talking. And she was telling me about how, in her background, um, the art conservators movement has done, has really sort of organized themselves and done this. And so she actually has a lot of experiences of having been involved with that with that group um, that uh, she was drawing on. And Laramie is one of the, the people that was helping also to, to push this community forward. Yeah, see, I think that could be huge because John Howell sits in a really good place and, and Laramie um, to really help move this forward. I don't know if it would ever get to the point where you'd actually get training to understand these different things, but with his boot camp, that's actually something that could, you know, there could be some real action at the other end of, at the other end of a body of patterns coming together. Um, he could actually train a lot of people on these, uh, on these practices. Well, anyway. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, what are the pitfalls you've seen happen in some of the groups? You know, why, why have some of the groups that have tried to do this, um, maybe haven't haven't done it successfully, some things that we can avoid? Well, I think in the past it's been one person po- getting very enthusiastic, posting a web page, and then hoping people will come. And that's sort of what we're trying to do here. I, I guess one of the things that I was hoping would – is I was trying to find the right – you know, we had a really interesting group of people on that first call. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, and, and maybe if we have enough people and there's enough momentum and it's, and it's open, I think people want this. I think people, you know, I mean, we're all dealing with these problems constantly. And it's like, you know, nobody in this community is expert in everything, but there's some brilliant people that are expert in particular areas and to draw sure. on their knowledge and to, to share with each other. You know, I mean, I, I work, I work with, with a lot of people that are not FileMaker and they look at FileMaker and they sort of look down their nose at FileMaker as it's, it's, as a, as a joke. Mm-hmm. And that just pisses me off because you can do amazing things with this tool. We've been given a fantastic tool, and we can do amazing things with it. Mm-hmm. And then you see what other people in the community are doing, and I'm just humbled. You know, I think I do some nice stuff, but I'm humbled by what I see out there. And I'd like to, I'd like to draw those minds together. And I don't think I answered your question. I think your question is really on point, and I don't necessarily know the answer to that. I've seen these things come and go, and I think part of the thing that fails is it's one person. You know, which is where it's failed to this point, which is I was going to put up something and got busy. And so if we could have more than one person, a group of people, and it becomes, you know, more than one person have to be getting something of intrinsic value out of it. And if you get it to the point where, you know, people want to contribute to it for its own intrinsic value because it's it's actually contributing to their work. It's making their work easier. Then it will just grow. So I guess that leads to the one of the next things I want to talk about, which is what specific things can people do? So I guess there's a website, FileMaker Patterns and Standards Laboratory.com. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it's, it's fmguides.org, and it's just a placeholder place. Right. And so... For now. So here's, here's where... We went. What we're looking to do is create basically a web form 
that allow that's linked to a database that has the ability for comments and file uploads and linking to external sources and possibly ratings. So I put out a a a tweet on Twitter saying this is what I'm looking for. And Andy Gaunt from FM Pug wrote me back and said we use are starting to use Expression Engine and we love it. And I had looked at Drupal um, a number of years ago, and I've not been back since, but at that time it was very clunky and I couldn't grok the the page model. Um, and so that was maybe version 3 or 4. I've not been back, but I should. Um, but so I didn't really want Drupal. I had looked at some Rails-based stuff, and I didn't find exactly what I wanted. And so Andy told me about this. And I was like, well, Andy knows his stuff, and if it, he thinks it's good enough for the pug good enough for me. So I bought Expression Engine, I downloaded it, I bought it, and I started learning it. If you know Expression Engine, and you want to help with this, it's not Mm -hmm. all that ambitious, but I'm I'm fortunately really busy in my business. I I have had the good fortune of not having had much slowdown, and so I'm I'm trying to find time between work and um, parenting 23-year-olds and a -a one-and-a-half-year-old. And so that doesn't leave a whole lot of time. Nope. So if you have time to volunteer and you and you want to, great. I'd be happy to open up the site and set up a couple of administrators and let people start to tinker and build it. It's, would you say the Expression Engine is like a development environment, or or is it more like a set of tools that you can build something uh, more informal? Expression Engine. That? Expression Engine is a content management system that. Um, basically allows you to create pages and create templates um, and publish content. And there are some plugins that I've bought that basically allows you to set up a, uh, a form or a series of forms that people can enter data on and control when and how they're published. Um, it's, a, it's a really nice toolkit. It's a, it would be a very nice adjunct to a FileMaker practice because uh, you can either integrate it with FileMaker or you could build Expression Engine-based sites when somebody needs a website, mm-hmm. and you can build FileMaker tools when they need FileMaker. Um, you know, I I came to it from Andy, but also Dan Benjamin of of Hive Logic and a couple other big um, bloggers who I read had written over the last year that they'd switched from a Rails-based site or a Drupal-based site to Expression Engine, and so. Um, yeah, it's it's a content management system that um, is commercially produced. I have a license for it. I'm happy to donate that to the community, and so I can. I, at the moment, it's on my laptop, so I can so I can do it while I'm commuting back and forth on the train. Um, but I don't have any problem putting it back out on the public site and letting a group of people start to build it. I'm happy to do that. So insofar as you've been thinking about these things and you've been talking to people about these different patterns and standards, have any of those things actually affected your own consulting business so far? Yes, absolutely. As I've been thinking about this, as I've been trying to distill down what I'm doing into patterns, I find that all of a sudden when I'm developing new solutions, I'm doing one of two things. Either as I'm trying to work out a concept – I'll build a little prototype file that just encapsulates the pattern that I'm trying to work out. Maybe it's it's new record creation. Maybe it's um, a status, uh, a, a tasks data model. Um, 
that I need to, to manage tasks for a client. Maybe it's uh, a, um, a party relationship model. Um, and so I, I'm fine that as I'm building, you know, new things, I'm creating little prototypes that are much lighter weight and much smaller that just encapsulate sort of the, the kernel of the idea I'm trying to express. And then I integrate that into the larger solution. And so now as I'm building, I have five or six of these little files on disk. And when I go to build something new, I go back to that library and start to say, oh, hey, here I need to create a new record. Here's my standard for how I'm doing that. Uh, here I, you know, I need to implement the a relationship model, a relationship relationship between people, a party model, mm-hmm. as described at Pause on Air. Um, and so, yeah, I'm absolutely finding that those are... I don't yet have a coherent master everything in it template that a lot of people have, but I, I now have five, six, eight little one-offs that each solve one problem. But now with the ability to copy and paste custom functions and scripts... Mm-hmm. You know everything except for the relationship graph. Right. It's very easy to integrate these new things. Well, layouts are a little tricky too because of the order you have to do things in, and they have to have the the graph named exactly the same when they have objects. Set it, it's true, but the the these files are light enough in their weight that it's you know it's pretty easy to to just copy the code and integrate it. Sure. And so that's been really cool. I actually because think that it, having individual files like that might be more useful, and, and act, I could see having a hundred of those things be part of this project. Well, and that's exactly right. I mean, what we started with was, you know, there's about 15 different categories of of common things that we face: dealing with security, creating records, um, deploying plugins, uh, window management, navigation. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, and so the idea was to have sort of for each time you enter, you upload a pattern. You put the pattern name, you know, the what you're trying, the problem you're trying to solve, when you might use it, link a sample file, maybe link to or point to other places on the net where other people have already done this or written about it. Um, maybe link to a custom function on Brian Dunning's site. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I want to point out here is. I have great respect for people who have already done things like this, like Brian Dunning's site mm-hmm. and um, Matt, Nav- uh, Matt Petrowski's site and, and, and John Mark Osborne's site. And I'm not trying to replace what they've done. I'm trying to draw those pieces together and because I, I, I have nothing re- respect for the people that have done this before right. or have done pieces of it. And so if there's a custom function that's already in existence, well, maybe we'll just link to it and point to it. You know. Sure. That way, that person who wrote the function only has to worry about updating it in one place, and everything else just links to that. That's simple. So, Don, are you going to be speaking at DevCon this year? I am. I was really honored to. I, I applied. This is the second or third time I've applied, and I got accepted to present two. What are they, the the seminars that are in the big rooms, not mm-hmm. the workshops? Okay. So I'm doing two seminars. Um, one is, I don't remember exactly what was called in the brochure. I had been calling it Small Things Loosely Joined, and I think they renamed it um, Techniques to Improve uh, uh, 
software quality reuse and programmer efficiency. Hmm, okay. I think they didn't like my title, but it's basically uh, an upgraded version of the small things presentation that I gave at Pause last summer. So that was the kernel of the, the idea, and it's sort of been built on from there. Cool. And the second one um, is the fundamentals of exceptional interface design, and um, is a, a regeneration of a talk that I started a number of years ago that at that time was called the Psychology of Design, um, and really now looks at sort of the, the three things that I think are important when you're when you're designing software, which is understanding the problem that needs to be solved, making whatever it is that you're building easy to learn and then efficient to use. And so it talks about sort of how to, how to do those three things. And, and actually, I should add one other thing. In addition to, to DevCon, um, I am planning, along with Ernest Coe, together we're going to be presenting a seminar called The Craft of FileMaker Development in uh, October of this year, probably in New York City. Hmm. Um, and it'll be a two-and-a-half-day workshop looking at sort of uh, these things that I've been talking about. Uh, wow. You know, how to understand the problem space, how to, how to elicit that, you know, and how to find out what the correct problem is, and then sort of the, you know, the, the, um, the interaction design and the interface design, and then Ernest is going to be coming in with the data modeling and the scripting and sort of how to really upgrade your skill set, uh, or at least what are the things you need to be focusing on and learning. That sounds really cool. We'll definitely want to be talking about that more as that date comes closer. Probably maybe talk about it right after DevCon on the podcast again. What else would you like to add um, to this to this process, uh, other benefits that you might see that we haven't discussed so far? One of the reasons I think this is really helpful and important, particularly in this community, is the fact that 90% of us started doing something else. I started as a photojournalist and a psychologist. You started in music. Most of us started in some place other than computer science. That's true. And so we we don't have the grounding uh, or the professional training that people that started in computer science have had. And we've all sort of learned it by hook and by crook with good habits and bad habits. And so one of the things that my small things presentation revealed to me was that I had something that I thought was really great that was actually violated a common rule to people that had studied traditional computer science. And I wanted I wanted to find a way to know that and to vet the other things I was doing against that. And so that's what I that's what I mean when I say it can help lay, raise the level of professionalism in our community, mm-hmm. because we're selling to people in a traditional IT space often or sometimes, and those people have a common language and a way of looking at things and want to see things documented, because they need that for the regulatory bodies and they need that for their boards, and um, I, I think this kind of thing could just be. You know, there, there's a there's a technical reason for wanting this, and there's a bottom line business reason for this. You know, in the end, mm-hmm. I do this because I love computers, but also because I've got three kids that I love and a wife that I love, and I want to be able to provide a nice quality of life for them. And most of my business at this point is in FileMaker, 
and I want to ensure that this is going to be a vibrant community that is going to be able to compete head to head against the other communities, you know, that are that are have twenty somethings growing up that are learning all of these other languages, that we're going to be able to provide the same level of quality and and be thought of as serious. Right. Which is a very noble and lofty goal, and one that many of us and, share. And, and it's and it's not for the greater good of the community. It's because I want to make sure that I have a vibrant business in five years. I mean, it is for the greater good of the community, but it's also there's a selfish part of it, of you know wanting to make sure that we're all going to be viable. Well, at one level, those two are the same thing, because yeah. if you if you build a standard that benefits your um, Actually, there's probably a couple levels, but if you if you build this out, um, that helps you as a developer, and you can share it so that other people are also successful. In addition to making you more successful, it also elevates your your standing in the community, which helps get you more work, and gives you access to to people um, and technologies and you know programs that you might not have otherwise had. For example, you know, being um, I don't know if you're or FBA Platinum, or if that's something that matters to you. But that's something that's been very helpful to me, just as I've kind of, you know, to, to have access to a different level of people at FileMaker than I had before that. And so, That's interesting. And so I think anything that you do that contributes to the community in such a way that, that helps your own business and also, um, and, and also really makes a genuine contribution... That elevates your standing, I, I think, is all to the good. I, I think that's absolutely true. I mean, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't want to come off as sounding selfish or self-focused. I, you know, I've done a lot of things in my life that have been altruistic, um, psychologist and journalist. and. Um, but, you know, the bottom line is we're in a tough economy, and we want to... We want to make sure that we're viable, and I have been really appreciative of how this product and this community has helped me, you know, grow and and both personally and financially. And I want to I want to support that for myself and for the community. Well, that's a beautiful thing. Well, Don, thanks for your time today. Thank you for talking. I really appreciate being asked. Sure.